Hey everyone, this is Heidi St. John. I have spent the last couple of days here at the show talking a little bit about the practice of yoga. I continue to be very concerned that there are many Christians who are deceived by this and believe that it's innocent. And I've got a very interesting guest on the show with me today. Jonathan Trong is the senior pastor of God Manifest, a church and ministry based in Houston, Texas. I found out about him because a post came across my Facebook feed. Jonathan was talking about the issue of yoga. Having grown up in the Buddhist religion, Jonathan understands the dangers of yoga. And today we're gonna talk about how he became a professing born again believer in Jesus Christ and why he thinks that Christians should avoid the practice of yoga altogether. Stick around, I think you're gonna be encouraged. Hey, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So as it turns out, we can still use Facebook for some good things uh, because that's how I found you. Oh, I totally agree. It's with with so much um, trash out there. It's so hard to find good things to to read. It's really true. I was telling you before the show aired that uh, of all the things that I have written about and talked about here at the show for the last eight years, nothing upsets my listeners more than the topic of yoga and Christian yoga and holy yoga and if there is such a thing as holy yoga. And I had stated on my show, you know, several years ago, I used to practice yoga. I wasn't like a yogi or a super hardcore, you know, I wasn't practicing it for the religious aspect, but I had the yoga apps on my phone and it was really helpful for me. I learned it in physical therapy and it was just something I did until a Christian woman in uh, Southern Oregon called me out on it and said, hey, you might wanna understand what's behind it. And it was like the spirit of the Lord was like, no more for you. <laughs> and so I did a show on it, invited this woman, Jennifer Smith, on in my show. And we talked about it. And uh, I was amazed. I think the thing in your post on Facebook, which I have linked back to in the show notes today, that the, the post what was interesting to me is that you highlighted that you were sort of sad to see people would defend the practice of yoga more than they would defend their faith in Jesus. So I'm really curious. We're going to jump into this, but tell my listeners a little bit about you because you've never been on the show. And uh, I just happened to reach out to you on Facebook and by the grace of God, you saw it and came on the show. So let's uh, let's start with kind of who you are and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah. So my wife and I are a pastor of Tower in Houston, Texas. My name is Jonathan Zentrong. My wife is Olivia Trong. Um, prior to becoming a Christian in 2003, I was a radical Buddhist. Um, I was raised Buddhist. I was hand-selected at nine years old as a potential reincarnation of a Buddhist monk from Tibet. Um, in fact, the Dalai Lama showed up in Houston one, one year, and while he was speaking at a temple, picked me out of a crowd, pulled me up to the front, kissed me on the forehead, Whoa. which I've seen a lot of weird things with him recently, Yeah. Um, which kind of gave me chills, and, uh, and looked at my mother and said, hey, Jonathan is a reincarnation. I believe he's a reincarnation of my friend, a Buddhist monk. From Tibet, I'd like to bring him to. I'd like to invite him to Tibet to spend um, his trainings to be a, a Buddha and also a monk in Tibet with me. Um, to which I answered, "I am not going with a stranger." Like I, I panicked, I freaked out. But How old are you? The reason I was nine years old. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So this Buddhist. Um, so the Dalai Lama gave my mother one year to make a decision, but my mother. In turn, turned around and said, hey, Jonathan, this is your decision, but this is an honor I really want you to consider doing. 
because this would bring a lot of honor to the family and in Asian culture. It's all about honor. And at, I would say at the six month mark, I sat with my mom in tears and said, there is no way I'm going to Tibet. I'm not leaving America. I'm born in Newark, New Jersey. So I'm, I'm Asian in looks, but I'm very American in blood. <laughs> and I said, I have no idea. I, don't, I can't even speak Tibetan. I, I, don't, I, do, I do not want to become a vegetarian. I do not want to become a, a, a Buddha or a monk. And I said, mom, I'm not doing this. And she, she cried with me and said, okay. I won't make you do it, which is extremely surprising, especially for my mother. So um, you saw the Dalai Lama. Where were you again when you when you met him? I was in Houston. He was at a, a local Buddhist temple in Aleph, Houston. Um, I had a had a vision at a young age and the enemy can give you false visions as well. So it was a week before he showed up. There is a, a Buddhist temple behind my apartment complex. And I had a dream that this um, that this Two Buddhist, these two Buddhist monks showed up at my school to kidnap me. So I woke up, and I'm a trained graphic designer right now by trade. So I woke up and I illustrated the Dalai Lama and illustrated this monk. And my mother ran out to her car upon seeing the photo, the uh, illustration, ran out to her car, pulled a newspaper, brought it in, opened the newspaper. Front page of the Asian newspaper was the Dalai Lama and her his right hand man. And I screamed and she goes, wow. he's here this weekend. I'm friends with those Buddhist monks and I can get you up front. And I went, why would I go? Why do I venture into the temple to meet the two people that I, I dreamt were here to kidnap me? Which is so interesting and, because then he went on to say, hey, why don't you come with me? Exactly. And that, wow. that, that sent chills down my spine. It's still worries me today about you know how, how many other children he's done that no, to. No kidding. Yeah, it's really true. So at what when did you when did you become a Christian? Well it was in 2003. It was my last year of college, six years of college. I changed majors over and over. I think with the probably a lot of college people can yeah. attest to this. You just kind of go in there aimless. And yeah. I I switched majors three times. And this is I why I'm always off. telling parents don't just send your kids from high school to college let them figure out who they are. Let them spend a little bit of time with the Lord. Most high schoolers, you know, 18, 19, 20, they don't know what they want to do. And you're going to spend an awful lot of money helping them figure it out. Yeah. So six years of just flip, flip flopping through majors from business finance to kinesiology to psychology. Finally, I settled on graphic designing. And um, when I was in graphic design school, I was in my final semester. The world was falling apart. I was still teaching Kung Fu at this Buddhist temple here in Houston. And um, everything was just chaos. And, and you know, a, a, a combination of a lot of different things happened. Like my father setting me aside, my mother setting me aside, my brother, my professor setting me down and telling me that I should consider switching majors six months before graduating. Oh, my. Because in, in, in all honesty, at the moment, I was terrible in designing because I, I, I didn't have a desire to live. and. It just put me in this tailspin and I was about to kill, kill myself. I came home from school that day. I cried out to God for the first time. I literally cried out, God, why are you doing this to me? I just have questions. I need answers. And I waited for God to, to just to um, hijack my computer and, and just tell me what to do. I was Because at that time, there was a movie called The Matrix that was out and oh, I yeah. didn't know how God worked. I grew mm-hmm. up Buddhist, so I had no idea how God worked. All I knew is I knew he was real and I knew I've been ignoring his presence in my life and his voice guiding me to not do bad things, which I always did. And when my computer finished booting, 
and God did not answer at that moment, I was done. I stood up, walked over to my dad's office to kill myself. And then there was a doorbell at my front door. And my mother answered and screamed, Jonathan, it's two pretty young girls that must be your friends. Who were then, they? Yeah. So I screamed at my mom. I said, hey, let me wash my face. I'll be right there. I'm, I'm 24 years old, single. So I was really excited. I was yeah, like, like, wow. Two pretty young girls at my door. I'll be right yeah. there. Yeah. So I was thinking, God must be real because I cried out to him. God sent two girls. So I run and open the door and there was these, there was these two Mormon girls sitting at the front door, panic, petrified, shaking. And my, my initial thought was, oh my gosh, these are Mormons. God's a Mormon. And obviously I can tell you, I can fast forward. No, he's not. And then so, so I'm, so I'm glancing behind their shoulders. I grew up in this neighborhood called Aleph. So it's very, um, it's considered kind of the ghetto. So we've had carjackings in my neighborhood, um, house break-ins in my neighborhood, and their car was parked in the middle of the road, doors open, engines running. I initially thought, wow, these two girls must be getting carjacked right now. If I'm going to die, I might as well die using martial arts, killing these guys, whoever's carjacking them. So I said, what happened? Both girls looked at me, looked at each other. The one in front of the one in front and that's closest to me shook her head and said, you won't believe me. And she turned to walk away and I grabbed, reached out and I grabbed her arm and I said, hey, let me help you. I'll believe you. And she said, there was a, we were leaving a Bible study. In that moment, I was thinking, oh my gosh, God answered my prayer. And then she said, there was a voice in the side of our car and I'm thinking, carjacker. And she said, and I said, what did the voice say? She could stop the car and get out. And I said, what did you do? And they both looked at each other in fear and said, we got out. And the other one nodded her head like, yes, we got out. And then all of a sudden I said, what happened next? And, she, and I'm still looking over their shoulder now, looking for the carjacker, because I'm, I'm a trained martial artist at that moment. And, and the girl goes, you won't believe me. There was a, the voice was outside of our car. And it said, to your right is a brown house. In that brown house is a little boy. Go knock on his door and go tell him that the answers he's seeking are in the Bible and only the Holy Bible. This came from the Mormon girls? Came from the Mormon girls. And, and I didn't wow. even know that they had a, Mormon, a book of Mormons. But, but I could tell that she was scared. And she had tears in her eyes when she made that statement. And it made perfect sense months later once she explained to me what the, what a Mormon, what the Mormon religion believed. So at the moment, I would say, and then she said, um, and I said, well, if all my answers are in that book, come in. And she said, I can't teach you. We're not allowed to because we're women missionaries where my temple only allows me, or my church only allows me to teach women. And she said, let me go back to our church and talk to our father, which is their pastor, and find out if we can send some men to you, when it would be a good time. And I said, this is late February. So I said, you know, spring break's around the corner. I have a whole week off. That'd be perfect. So she got my information. I wrote, I wrote now my, my name and number, uh, my house line. And also she wrote me down her name, her, her, her last name, and also the, the phone number to her church. So I told her to come. And then I just went about my way. And I was just elated that God was real. God answered. I'm about to get answers that I've been seeking. And answers to what? I don't even know the answers I was looking for. All I knew is, what I, who I was following was not enough, was mm. not real. I knew that I was hopelessly depressed. I was an alcoholic. I was into drugs. I was into women. And everything was hopeless. 
So fast forward, uh, spring break comes. Last day of spring break, there's no more supernatural things that happen for weeks. So I assumed I lost my mind um, because as a Buddhist, as a trained Buddhist monk, I, 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 I practice a lot of dark arts. And helping, making, helping people lose their mind was one of the things that my mother had me do for others. And a, do a few you call people this, did. I, I want to ask you a question because I don't know anything about Buddhism. Um, not, no, no, not much. I mean, I've studied it a little bit just to kind of understand the basics of Hinduism and Buddhism. But when you say helping people lose their mind, are you talking about sort of mindfulness like they practice this in yoga too, where you open your mind, right? Yes. Is, is, it, is that the same thing? Yes, it's mindfulness, it's through breathing, the breathing exercises, through meditation. Um, but the, the type of Buddhism I was teaching was uh, I taught about astral projection. I taught about opening the third eye. Um, I closed third eyes on certain people whom I didn't like at that moment. Um, when you open a third eye, what a lot of people don't realize is you're actually opening yourself up as a portal to allow the d- demonic or evil entities to to really enter you and to control you. Wow. What are, uh, I want to get back to your testimony in a second, but what are the, just briefly, the basic tenets of Buddhism? What does a, what does a, a Buddhist believe? Okay. So a Buddhist, the, the goal of a Buddhist is to get enlightened. And enlightenment means to basically, you, you lose all desires because they believe that your desires lead to suffering. So if you can quench desires, you, you, you fix all suffering, all human type suffering. The ability to do both, quenching your desires and, and, uh, and, and stopping your suffering causes you to become enlightened, all knowing. And then in that moment, you become, you reach nirvana. Nirvana is a, is a, is a state of consciousness that you reach. It's like, it's called, I think it's um, the word, the Indian word is blowing out the fire. So suddenly your, your desire, the fire of desire gets blown out and you reach nirvana as a state of nirvana. So you're, the goal is to become, to reach nirvana and also become enlightened. Wow. And what is the role of the, the uh, Dalai Lama in all of this? Well, the Dalai Lama is, a, is, is I would say he's kind of like the high priest. He's okay. the, he's the um, t- top authority. Uh, he's compared, compared to the Pope, I would say, comparable to the Pope. Okay, so you you grew up in the Buddhist uh, in the Buddhist tradition, and as such, where did you learn? Did you learn yoga? Is this something that's co- that is practiced? It is right, very common uh, practiced in. I know Hinduism. As a friend who had a former Hindu, she said they practice a, a certain kind of yoga, but also in Buddhism. Tell us a little bit about that. My pillow is having a mattress sale. I have a MyPillow mattress and I love it. In fact, I'm getting ready to buy another one for my daughter. Right now, the complete mattress system is on sale for 50% off. This system comes with two free premium MyPillows and a free set of Giza Dream bed sheets. Mattresses come in coil and foam in a wide range of sizes from twin to split king and carry a 10-year warranty with a six-month money-back guarantee. Call one 800 4470541 or visit mypillow.com and use promo code Heidi to save 50% off the complete mattress sleep system. This deal won't last long. Enter promo code Heidi to save 50% today. 
Yeah, because I was really big on martial arts. And a lot of time, Buddhism and martial arts go hand in hand, whether mm-hmm. you're doing Kung Fu or Tai Chi or, or another form of martial arts. So in it, you, also, you meditate and you, and you channel things. Um, when I was doing martial arts, I was channeling anger. And anger is a spirit. Anyone mm-hmm. can tell you that they've, they've, they've lost their minds in the middle of a, of a fit of rage. Like, yep. like they, something, something took over them. I don't know why I did that. You'll hear a lot of people say, I, I had no control over what I was saying and doing. So a lot of times these, these um, exercises like martial arts or yoga, um, it looks innocent. Martial arts are for, is for health. Yoga is for health is what a lot of Westerners will say. But Easterners know that both practices are actually channeling demons, inviting gods, little Gs, to into your life and yoking yourself with these little gods. And so if someone is practicing, so in your, I'm going to get back to, I'm going to find out how you, how you, how you came to Jesus. I'm going to find out how you met the Lord Jesus. But I'm, I'm curious because this is sort of how um, I learned about you when you were talking to people about the dangers of yoga. People think that it is innocent. And you were stating, as a matter of fact, having practiced yoga, that it is anything but innocent. Why did you say that? Oh, because it's not. I can tell you what surprised me when I became a Christian, when I entered churches is I've heard many Christians in the very beginning talk about meditation, mm-hmm. crystals, chakras, mm-hmm. auras, energy, vibrations. Um, these, all these words are very, they can new age, but new age is a, is a, is a, is a cornucopia of multiple religions, mm-hmm. multiple beliefs into one. And and in hearing those things, you can just feel the atmosphere change. I can tell you that the purer the life you live as a Christian, the more sensitive you are in discerning spirits, because yes. that's a gift in the spirit. Yes. But the, but the more defiled of a life you lived, the less sensitive you are. You become desensitized to the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit, I can tell you that the first yoga session I sat in, I probably sat in two or three, but I have a lot of friends that have been deep into yoga, have a family member that teaches it. Um, the first session I sat in with my older brother, I was I backed away and I said something didn't feel right. I feel this this um, I feel like something's entering me, mm-hmm. which caused me to go okay. Well, in Buddhism in meditation, you're you're emptying yourself to what extent? You're emptying yourself to be filled with knowledge, but the knowledge from who? The knowledge from demons, and it's 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 like the it's what happened in the garden. Like they're they're seeking knowledge. And in, in seeking knowledge and not seeking the presence of God and the, and the person of Jesus Christ, they got, they got defiled and they got tricked and deceived. And that's what, what I'm seeing happening in the church right now. That's why it's, it's, I feel like it's our calling, my wife's and I calling to go around and just really explain to people, hey, a lot of these things you think are innocent or these crystals you think are pretty or these Buddha beads that you wear, even well-known Christian ministers are wearing these Buddha beads. Yep. And those are actually relics, religious relics that, that they're wearing that people use um, for their rituals. So what we're seeing in the, in the world right now, in Christianity in particular, is a pretty remarkable lack of discernment, right? People who do not, they're not meditating on the word of God, right? They're meditating on other things, but the Bible calls the Christian to meditate on the things of God, right? Philippians 4, 8, whatever's good, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, but the church is making excuses. And I find this really fascinating, particularly as it relates to yoga. We saw a, a, a movement or a company or whatever called Holy Yoga. 
coming to churches. What is your take on uh, churches who are hosting these exercise groups, uh, particularly one that's called holy yoga? Is there such a thing as holy yoga? Yeah, you you can't take what God calls as as a trash or dirty or or defilement and, and make it holy. If mm-hmm. if God clearly states that the worship of idols is is ungodly, unrighteous, you can't take something where God labels as unrighteous and call it holy. And that's mm-hmm. the that's the problem. I can tell you that a member of our church, the first time I heard of holy yoga, a member of our church was part of a health fitness club. Yep. And she wanted to become a trainer. And and we were having dinner one night and she says, uh, I said, tell me about this Christian fitness thing. It sounds amazing. And she said, oh, we practice this, this, and this, and holy yoga. And I said, holy yoga, that's an oxymoron. Yes. And she goes, yeah, and she said, what do you mean? And I said, you can't take what is, what, is, what is anti-God and make it God by putting the word holy on it. And she says, and I said, what are the poses you're doing? She says, well, it's the same poses, same name, same titles as yoga, but we call it holy yoga and we play worship music. And I said, in all things, everything we should, everything we do should honor God and point to Jesus. And I said, holy yoga does not honor God, does not point to Jesus. And I can tell you that the, that the church and your teachers right now are, are deceived. And I said, and, and they're, they're leading their students into, into destruction and that into life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really true. What do you say to the person who is saying, listen, I'm not, I'm not doing yoga. I don't call it that. But I learned to do, you know, uh, a pose where I am kind of, I'd say it's down dog is really what the pose is, but they don't call it that. But then someone said, oh, that's a yoga pose. You're not talking to that person, right? You're talking to the person who's doing this, the sun salutations and doing the movements in order and asanas and all those kinds of things. You're talking about people who are actually practicing uh, yoga, even if they're calling it yoga because they're not changing the names. They're doing the same thing. They've just put the word yoga in front of it. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Because because someone wrote me the other day on my post. I had a lot of hate comments and they said, I bet. <laughs> so they said, they said, so what am I supposed to do instead of yoga? And I said, there are a thousand other exercises that are not, that, that, that did not originate in the occult. And I said, number one, number two, stretch. It's fine. Stretch, but don't stretch while you're doing yoga. Don't stretch while you're doing Christian yoga. Don't stretch while you're doing holy yoga. Don't stretch while you're while you're um, chanting mantras. Don't stretch unknowing, not knowing what you're saying in 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 as as in, in a different language. Like they're chanting, they're they're doing these things and they're opening themselves up and they're using these breathing exercises that are fully the occult. It's almost like stretching is great. I said I did martial arts. I don't do martial arts anymore because that's the occult as well. But I, I, I do certain stretches still um, because I want to be flexible and, I, and I'm and in my 40s, you know, working out and, and being flexible is a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I saw one of the comments on your post, which is something I've heard, you know, here at the show also, is that we don't have a lot of Christians in the faith space right now, born again Christians who are talking about the importance of taking care of our bodies. We want to do that, right? Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. What kinds of things do you steer people toward. And they're saying, listen, I want to stay in shape. Um, we talked about Pilates as an option here at, at the show one time. Somebody was uh, giving, came on and sort of gave options. What are you telling people? I mean, you've obviously given us a little bit of, a, of an introduction to it. But when someone comes to you and says, 
where can I go? Is there a place online that you recommend? Is there a particular uh, style of exercise that you say, hey, this has been helpful for me. It's something I would recommend. Well, I can tell you that, you know, so scripture says, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. So in all things, before, before you start is to seek the Holy Spirit. So I, I always encourage people in our church, people who, who follow us online to, hey, seek the Holy Spirit. If, if I'm pointing you towards myself or another person as a voice of Jesus, in, in place of Jesus, then I'm, I'm doing you an injustice. That's right. Um, and then, and after that, Hey, go out there and walk, work out, lift weights. Um, my wife, my wife and I, we, we, there, we have a Pilates machine in the house that we do certain Pilates, but there are certain things where if we're listening to a trainer and they said, now do the downward dog and, and practice and do this inhale and this exhale, we don't pay attention to that at all. We, we, we don't, we don't do it because they're le- as they're leading it. But if the Lord leads me, let's say later on in the day, if my back feels stiff and, and I ask the Lord, hey, what should I do? If, if, if it looks like the downward dog or whatever they want to call it, I'm, I'm, but he leads me to do that, that workout, that, that stretch just to stretch, then yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. And I think that's important. And what you've just said is discernment. We're not saying you can't stretch. We're saying stop doing the poses and calling them those particular poses, those Uh, I know a lot of my friends for a long time were doing what they call the sun salutation, right? It's a series of poses that the yogis will teach you where you're breathing a certain way and you're stretching a certain way and you're doing things in order. And, uh, and that's what you're warning against, right? Correct. Yeah. And, And what's interesting is if they, if these people who are so up in arms about, about my yoga posts and your yoga videos, if they find a yoga in India, a yogi in India, and speak to them, they will tell you, hey, you, you, you Christians have no reason doing this, 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 um, these, these um, r- rituals because mm-hmm. they're worshiping my gods, not yours. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not exercises. Don't, don't, down, don't talk down about my, my, my rituals, my religious rituals. These were created to, to worship Brahmin, Vishnu, and, and Shiva. And now, or, and also to invite, uh, I would say, a Kundalini into you, which I can tell you, my wife and I, we do deliverance. And um, like, for example, the last two years, we've probably done 400 deliverances, not on purpose, because everywhere we go, people are asking us about yoga too. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen the manifest um, Kundalini spirit multiple times, and it mm-hmm. blows my mind. And some of these people don't even tell us they've done yoga. As soon as, as soon as we start it, they start manifesting. It looks like a serpent, and then when we and, and then when we cast it out, we re, then we ask them about yoga, and they they repent for yoga, and they're they're set free. Isn't that interesting? I think people do not realize the correlation that we literally open ourselves up. You know, the Bible teaches us that there is such a thing as good and evil. The demonic world is real. It is real, and it is nothing to mess around with. And so. If you have a, a Christian or a brother and sister such as yourself who is warning other believers, listen, I understand what yoga is now. I've talked to these yogis. I was in this myself. And he's saying, this is not good for you. We should be listening. I want to, we've got about two minutes left and I haven't gotten to all of your story because it's so fascinating. But I would love for you to tell quickly uh, our listeners how you came to accept Jesus Christ into your life. Yeah. So the first Bible study came, it was, it was the last day of spring break. I get a I get a phone call as I was about to head out to a drug party again because I thought Jesus I thought my encounter was fake, 
this this young lady, the one I encountered that got my number, said her purse strap broke just as I was about to walk out of my house. And she called the number and she came over and started teaching me the Bible. And she only taught me the Bible because I did not know anything about the, uh, the Book of Mormons. So fast forward six months from that date, um, I was teaching the Bible studies because I, I was hearing the Holy Spirit, which blew their minds. They didn't realize a normal, common Christian follower can hear Jesus. They thought only prophets could. But they, they obviously were not aware of what Jesus did for us in the New Covenant with the Holy Spirit, allowing every Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit, clothed in the Holy Spirit, and hear the Holy Spirit for themselves. So after that, six months after that, my last Bible study with them, eight of the, of the 21 Mormons that were gathered around teaching me the Bible, and then I ended up teaching them the Bible, left the, the Mormon church and, and, and walked into the fullness of salvation with Jesus Christ and into the new covenant, co- covenant relationship with Jesus. And now my wife and I are pastors. We literally travel and we, we speak a lot about the cult things that we've ex- I've experienced. And also we, we, we demonstrate the, the full gospel of Jesus, preaching and de- with demonstration of power. Jonathan, if somebody's listening to this and they don't know Jesus Christ, can you explain the gospel? Yeah. G- the gospel is simple. Jesus, the Son of God, so loved you personally. And he knew that there was no sacrifice, no blood, bloodshed and, and, and able, capable in this world to save your soul but his. So he came down, born of a virgin, died, suffered, and rose from the dead because he was spotless and blameless for you so that you can be in full covenant with Jesus Christ, full covenant with God, and have Christ the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, living inside of you for all eternity. Mm. And how does a person become a Christian? It says that you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. But it says to repent. Repent means yes. to turn away. Turn away. For example, I was a Buddhist. I turned away from all things Buddhist. I was an alcoholic. I turned away from the things that defiled me. I was a womanizer. I turned away from from infidelity. I turned away. I repented. And the Lord said, he's faithful to forgive and he'll wash you clean, white as snow. And he'll forgive you as far as the east is from the west. Jonathan, I love your testimony and I love your boldness for the Lord Jesus. It is the gospel that changes us. It is the message of the cross. You know, we talk about so many things in the culture today. I think the church is so upside down and backwards. We're focusing on so many things. It's the gospel uh, it's Jesus Christ who delivers us from sin. The sin we need to be delivered from is first of all in our own hearts. And so I love that you uh, that you reminded uh, listeners today that that's what is needed right now. We keep hearing people crying out for a revival. We want hope and we want change, but revival doesn't come apart from repentance. The Greek word for repentance, metanania, means I change my mind. I turn around. I go a different direction. And your life is a living, uh, breathing example of that. Where can people find you online? Because there, I don't have time because I have to do another interview in a few minutes, but you have written a book yes, uh, about your testimony. You have it with you, so put it up there so we can all see it. There it is, Buddhists, Mormons, and Jesus. And in it, you really talk also about the difference between Mormonism and Christianity. I think a lot of people uh, are confused by that. Maybe I'll have you come back on another time and talk about, about that. But where can people find you online? 
Yeah, you can find me online at godmanifest.com. We're on Facebook as well, Jonathan Zintrong on Facebook, Instagram, Jonathan Trong. Um, and if you have any questions about Buddhism or, or, or my life story or, or salvation, reach out. My wife and I are very accessible. We, we, we love y'all. We just want to spread the good news and preach the pure gospel and demonstrate what Jesus commanded us to demonstrate. I love that. Thank you so much for answering a Facebook message from a complete stranger and coming on the show. I really appreciate your willingness to take some time today. God bless you. Well, God bless you. Thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome. For more information on my guest today, head on over to the show notes. That's HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear from you. You could leave me a voicemail if you've got questions or you can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.